Hello, my name is Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we've got for you this week. Coming up today, I'll see if Airbus managed its delivery target in 2021, while Tom will see what it takes to deliver a satellite to SpaceX. Joe will give us some updates on the A220, and I'll look at some sad news for a group of regular Ryanair passengers. Finally, I'll take a look at Boeing's big win with the 737 MAX. So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And Joe, why don't you start today? I will. Thank you, Tom. Um, a pleasure as always. So it's been very doubtful all year that Airbus would meet its goal of delivering more than 600 airplanes this year. Um, I know back at the end of November, it was kind of sitting quite far away from that. And everybody mm. was kind of like, well, they're not going to do that. But they did. They did a great job. They, uh, Airbus delivered a total of 611 aircraft in 2021 um, across 88 different customers. And this was actually 45 more planes than it was in 2020. So an 8% mm. rise, which is really good considering, you know, all the challenges that are still ongoing for the industry. Um, so even though conditions continue to be challenging, um, they're really looking forward to raising their production and fulfilling customer demands over the coming year. Um, so let's take a bit of a deeper look at what aircraft it has been delivering. Um, as you might expect, the A320 family was the most delivered plane for the company throughout the year. Um, in total, they shifted 483 aircraft, which I think is phenomenal, really, um, considering everything that's going on in aviation right now. Um, the A350, surprisingly, was the next most frequently delivered with 55 handovers over the course of 2021, um, mm. closely followed by the A220 with 50 deliveries. Yeah, that's um, kind of taking off a bit this year, isn't it? We're seeing literally. more orders. <laughs> <laughs> literally i'm going to come back to the a220 later because it's been okay. a, an exciting couple of weeks for the little regional jet um and it's a330 as well of course is uh, still chentering along um it had 18 deliveries which isn't a huge number but you know it's it's still there still hmm. there and then of course the a380 program came to an end um only five super jumbos were delivered last year um sad times three more that than it was meant to be though that's very true. That's very true. And and that's, of course, the last ones. So we won't hmm. be mentioning those again ever. Um, I'm joking, Tom. <laughs> of course, we'll be mentioning the A380 <laughs> lots more on the podcast. You gave me a heart attack then. <laughs> so overall, the share of deliveries in terms of the breakdown between aircraft types was pretty much the same as it was in 2020. Um, but it wasn't only the deliveries that saw increased numbers in 21. Um, mm. There were 771 sales across all market seg segments. Um, so that's a gross order intake of double the year prior. So I think mm. that's a really good sign of optimism in, in the industry and a future recovery. Yeah. Things are getting better, slowly they but are. surely. Slowly but surely. So, as you'd expect again, the A320 dominated the share in this department. 661 gross new orders for the A320neo family. Um, the A220 as well, as well continued to show its popularity with 64 firm orders um, around the world last year. And then on the long haul side, the A330 saw 46 new orders and the A350 had 16. So, mm. not a huge number for the A350, but, you know, that's to be expected in the 
the present environment, I guess. Um, but notably, the brand new A350F, which was launched earlier this year, secured 11 orders and 11 kind of commitments, you know, letters of intent and memorandums of understanding across the year. Um, so in case you missed it, the A350F was ordered by Air Lease Corporation, um, Singapore Airlines, CMA, CGM, um, mm. and the Air France KLM Group. Um, so Airbus is looking I don't looking think to- they're all firm orders yet, are they? They're not. So um, the Singapore Airlines was a letter of intent for mm. seven. Um, the CMA group was a MOU for four. Um, Air France KLM was a firm order for four and Air Lease Corp was a firm order for seven. So, mm. um, you know, it's quite some endorsements for the type, although we're not expecting Airbus to deliver the first until 2025. Obviously, mm. still some work to do on that programme before we actually see it fly. Um, mm. But overall, you know, Airbus... <laughs> well, we don't know the details yet because they haven't given us all the facts and figures but uh, how dare I very ask about that <laughs> uh, but you know for Airbus they had some really powerful endorsements particularly towards the end of the year um, you know Indigo Partners at the Dubai Air Show Qantas of course picking the, the Airbus products for its narrowbody fleet Air mm. France KLM as well was a big win for them um, you know there are still some key issues to work out over the coming months not least the A350 paint saga um, yep. But the XLR is coming along nicely. You know, there's potential for them to unveil an A22500 in this year, maybe. Um, so overall, I think we're looking forward to a really good 2022 for Airbus. Mm. Despite the lack of A380s. <laughs> yeah, don't keep rubbing it in. <laughs> what? Sticking on the theme of Airbus, you know, when we talk about Airbus at Simple Flying like you just did, we typically focus on the European plane makers commercial aircraft. But actually, um, it also makes satellites and, you know, some satellites are small and agile, but some can be pretty sizable, including Turkey's Turksat 5B satellite. Um, so this is a satellite that's um, meant to be boosting connectivity in Turkey. It weighs nine, uh, 60 tonnes and it has the dimensions of uh, just under 15 metres in length, um, five and a half metres in width and just over four metres in height, which is not a small thing by any ch- um, any No measure um like and, a small house <laughs> yeah exactly and you know we're doing um airbus is making these satellites in france but obviously satellites aren't launched to space from france um this satellite ended up being launched on spacex which uses cape canaveral in florida so it presented the the challenge of how does this thing get across the Atlantic, or um, in this case, around the Atlantic. And this is where Antonov entered the equation. So um, they didn't quite use their big uh, AN-225. Uh, that wasn't needed. But the smaller four-engined uh, Antonov-124 came in handy for the job. So they packed this satellite. I think they folded it up a bit with the solar panels and whatnot. Um, mm. Packed it away into the aircraft. And the satellite left Airbus's Toulouse facility on November the 29th at 9 p.m., um, it wasn't possible to fly to Florida in one go, so the aircraft um, Uniform Romeo 82027 uh, flew to Portsmouth on the northeast coast of the US, and the flight took 8 hours and 23 minutes, covering some 5,642 kilometers or 3,506 miles on the way. Then mm-hmm. the plane landed in Portsmouth. It spent around three hours there, which I assume is enough time to grab a little bit of fuel, clear customs and have a coffee. Um, I'd want a coffee after a flight of that length <laughs> if I was going back into the sky for sure. Um, and then 
the plane returned to the skies at 2.30 in the morning, so definitely needing a coffee. And it <laughs> landed in Florida at 5.09. But what I found interesting is, you know, Florida's got lots of aircraft, um, well, lots of aircraft and lots of airports was the point I actually wanted to make there. Um, but, you know, with such a heavy, large cargo, you really want to get it as close as it's going as possible. And um, actually, it turns out that the Kennedy Space Center has a runway, and it was actually the same runway that countless space shuttle missions landed on, where this giant Antonov landed Um I think it was probably a bit bigger than a space shuttle, though. Yeah, <laughs> I'd um, say so. Yeah, but having arrived at Cape Canaveral, they offloaded this satellite and handed it over to SpaceX, and it was successfully launched into space on December 18th. So the satellite's going to increase communications capabilities in Turkey and surrounding countries. And this is the bit that you're going to be interested in as our IFC expert, Joe. Um, it's going to remain in service for around 15 years with a geostationary trajectory, meaning that it stays <laughs> above the same part of the globe and it can handle more than 50 gigabytes of data each second. Awesome. I love Isn't that. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. And I love the SpaceX operation. The whole thing, um, you know, it's so exciting to watch. Do you know mm. they have a reusable booster? So it, the rocket mm. goes up, it gets rid of its payload in orbit, and then it comes back down and it gets caught by a drone ship. Um, mm. And one of their drone ships is called Guess How Much I Loved You, which I think is amazing. And mm. uh, yeah, if you've ever seen, like, they do a whole feed on YouTube, um, usually a live stream of, of the rocket coming back down and mm. the this little drone ship just goes out and catches the booster. And, you know, I think it's like an 80% success rate. They have lost boosters, but most of mm. them have been used multiple times. And it's a much more sustainable way of getting things yeah. into orbit. So I get very I geeky and very excited about all these things. <laughs> it's not quite as fascinating as Virgin Orbit firing satellites off a 747 in the air, though, I think. <laughs> not quite, not quite. And I do hear they're going to be doing that from Newquay Airport next year, or later okay. this year even, I think. Um so I'm, I'm desperately trying to get in touch with them to come and watch it go because I'd love to see Cosmic Girl doing her thing in Cornwall. Um, Take me along. But, uh, yeah, I'll keep you posted on that one. Mm. Um, so I wanted to stick with Airbus and um, just do a bit of an update on the A220 because we've had several bits of exciting news over the past week or so. Um, mm. So... You know, the A220 has proven to be quite a solid seller for Airbus, a popular aircraft. Um, but some of the operators are a bit more exotic than others. And I found the, the latest new customer of the A220 quite fascinating um, because mm. it's Iraqi Airways. And they received the first of five A220s due to be delivered last week. Um, mm. And in fact, their, their deal is so old. It was signed while the aircraft was still known as the Bombardier C-Series back in January 2014. So The good old c -series. Series. In the good old C-Series. So uh, it's like Prince changing his name, isn't it? Back when the A220 was the C-Series. Um, <laughs> the so aircraft formerly known as the C-Series. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they finally received the first. Um, not quite sure what the delays were there, but uh, it was registered Y-I-A-R-E. Um, and it flew under the delivery number of IA2220, which I thought was kind of cute. Um, and it went from Montreal and um, flew for around seven hours and then it arrived here in the UK at Manchester, a bit too far away for me to go for a plane spotting photo, sadly. Um, and the weather was terrible as well, so there weren't even any nice photos from our tame plane spotters up that way. But uh, it overnighted there before heading to Baghdad, so a pretty rare spot if you did manage to catch that one. Um, but, you know, this is all part of Iraqi Airways' kind of big fleet renewal programme, so it's getting another four A220s. It's also bringing in 16 Boeing 737 MAX 8s, 
and a fleet of 10 7878 Dreamliners. Um, so they're working really hard to be removed from the ban that's currently on them for flying within the EU. Um, that's been in place since 2020 um, regarding um, safety concerns. Um, but they're really keen to begin flying back to the EU. And if they do, I'd love to have a go um, because they fly all sorts of exciting stuff like 747s and the A220 and they're getting all these other new planes. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see them landing somewhere where we can actually catch a flight sometime soon. Um, but also last week, the world's first ACJ220 was delivered to its launch customer. Now, this is a business jet based on the A220-100 and uh, we've been following it quite closely because it's really cool, <laughs> yep. you know, and, and we're very jealous of the people that are going to be operating it and flying mm. in it. But uh, it was and we got to go with... to the launch of it, which was pretty awesome. We did awesome. go to the launch. Yeah, it was. Uh, we felt very underdressed. It was like a very <laughs> exclusive nightclub rather than a media event. But uh, it, it was great to be there. So uh, mm. they handed it over to um, Comlux, who is going to be the operator. And it took on a new registration, which is 9H five f-i-v-e and this mm. is a nod to its eventual owner which is five hotels who are based in dubai and yeah. um, so the plan is it's going to be shuttling vip hotel guests around five properties they're opening a place in zurich they're potentially opening somewhere else and they think that people will enjoy going around on this private jet to experience lots of their different hotels while they're on holiday mm. uh, but I mean, of course if i could afford it, it i would enjoy, enjoy it <laughs> definitely the, i remember the hotel owner told us it would be uh, the to, to ride on the A220 would be very affordably priced at $10,000 a trip. And we were like, mm. <laughs> that's really affordable. But I guess for some people <laughs> in a yeah. different world, it's very affordable. Anyway, before it can begin its new VIP lifestyle, it needs a lovely new interior installed. So among the features planned for this first ACJ220, are 16 seats, a dining table for eight, a master suite with a king-size bed and a shower, um, dimmable windows and a um, amazing sound system they're going to have their own djs on there as well um, and it's being fitted out by luxury interior experts comlux completion at their facility in indianapolis mm. um, the fitting's expected to take about a year so final delivery to five is anticipated early next year um, and it's going to be operated by comlux aviation under their aoc in malta hence the 9h start to the registration Mm. Um, so they'll be flying it, but the two flight attendants on board will be from Five's own staff, who are very, very glamorous ladies, um, if the ones that we met at the launch were anything to go by. Um, so uh, so as we mentioned earlier, you know, Airbus delivered 50 aircraft from the A220 family in 2021. Um, they've already got orders in place for another 400-odd, but they've kicked off 2022 with another significant order for the type, because just in the last couple of days, leasing company as Zora signed a purchase agreement for 22 A220s, which mm. included 20 A22300s and, most excitingly, a pair of ACJ220s. Um, so the deal's worth about a billion US dollars, which is incredible, really. Um, and Azora, if you haven't heard of them, they're a leaser that specialises in executive, regional kind of crossover business, um, has a lot mm. of small, narrow-body aircraft, and apparently they deal with more than 100 airlines in 70 different countries. Um, so they've, I, I think they've been involved in delivering jets to American Airlines and your favourite Air Baltic as well. Um, oh, you've got to so, love a bit of Air Baltic. 
Absolutely. Um, so the CEO mentioned that it was ideally suited for their growing portfolio and that they're excited mm. to partner with Airbus on this popular next generation aircraft. So uh, personally, I'm just really happy to see more ACJ220s being ordered because uh, mm. the more of those in the world, the better the uh, place the world will be. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's not going to be such a better place, though, as I sadly learned last week. And that is because switching over to some Boeing 737 news, Ryanair has um, basically thrown its toys out of the pram and said it's not going to fly from Frankfurt Airport anymore um, <laughs> after March. So, you know, the, airplane, um, the airline hasn't been there for super long. It was attract, um, attracted several years ago. Um, basically, the airport said we'll give new carriers um, some discounts to kind of get them here. And then once the routes are established each year, the discounts will go down. And actually... Um, EasyJet and Wizz Air both pulled out before or when the discounts ended. But um, I was chatting to Michael O'Leary two years ago now, um, right before the kickoff of COVID. And he said mm. at the time they've got no plans to pull out of Frankfurt like the other airlines that did. And they're in negotiations with the airport. But it seems those negotiations haven't been going so well because on Friday they said um, they're not going to be flying to the proper Frankfurt airport anymore. Frankfurt um, Hahn is coming back, is it? Well, Frankfurt Hahn never really went. It just became mm. less of a focus for the airline. And I don't, we don't know yet whether it's going to be um, taking on the, the slack. Um, How Ryanair far away exactly is Frankfurt Hahn from actual Frankfurt City? Um, well, it, I don't know the exact number, but it's uh, two hours on a bus. And Blimey. it's in a separate federal state. Um, <laughs> I think it's actually quicker to get to Cologne. Um, oh my goodness. <laughs> which does have a different name. Um, but anyway, you know, it, it's, it's, we'll watch the space if they move stuff to Frankfurt Hahn. Um, it, it's a shame, though, because they um, suggested that a lot of airlines, uh, airports they're working with are putting down handling charges to uh, incentivize traffic's recovery, but they criticized Frankfurt Airport for doing the opposite. Um, they've got five Malta Air Boeing 737s currently based at the airport, and these are going to be redistributed across the Ryanair network, and the crew are going to go with the planes if they wish. Um, but obviously that, for some, I assume will mean, mean moving. Mm. Um you know, Ryanair said they're disappointed to announce the closure, but they've got no other alternative um, at all. And um, it was interesting because apparently they, when they moved into Frankfurt, the airport waived 40 to 50% of its fees, according to local publication Hessenschau. Mm. Um, but obviously these fees, um, you know, like Lufthansa was not happy at all when the, uh, the discounts or the subsidies came in and um, they aren't going to stick around. So the, um, oh it was interesting. I did also reach out to Frankfurt about it and they responded to Ryanair's claims saying that uh, they've adjusted their airport charges for the first time since 2017 um, by 4% and the increase only serves to counterbalance Germany's current inflation rate. Mm. Um, and they also added that other major hubs in Europe have also increased their airport charges, some in the double-digit percentage range. Yeah. So based on their moderate increase, airlines should be able to continue growing at Frankfurt and uh, benefiting from the airport's position as one of the world's most important aviation hubs. Mm. And um, I'm not sure about the world's most important aviation hub, but it's certainly my most important aviation hub. So <laughs> I'm going to miss my cheap flights to Stansted. <laughs> Definitely. Well, hopefully, they uh, have they 
completely ruled out serving it? Because I know they're closing the base, but will they... Yeah, they're closing the base, but the reason is the charges at the airport. And, you know, if they flew from Stansted, uh, a Stansted-based aircraft to Frankfurt, for example, they would still have these these charges. They haven't explicitly ruled that out, but looking at the schedule, um, Frankfurt is... There's no flights scheduled on the major Frankfurt routes from April 1st onwards. That's sad. Very sad. Mm. And you don't even get EasyJet service at Frankfurt, do you? No, you don't. You've got to go over to Berlin and then they take you to Gatwick, which also isn't great, is it? (laughs) No. (laughs) I think the best best alternate is going to be um, London City. But then again, for one way on City, you're paying almost what you can get two returns for on Ryanair. Oh, dear. I know, it's so sad. Oh, well, maybe they're just uh, threatening to do it and and they'll decide not to when they realise they can't bully Frankfurt into lowering its charges. Yeah, uh, or they'll decide not to when they hear this podcast and my desperate (laughs) plea for help. (laughs) Yeah, Ryanair, if you're listening, do Tom a favour. I can't cope with his sulks. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to stick on Boeing news um, because we've talked about Airbus a lot on this podcast today um, because Allegiant... Um, announced a commitment for up to 100 aircraft from the Boeing 737 MAX family. Wait, hang on. Isn't Allegiant a big Airbus customer? It is a huge Airbus customer. It's an all-Airbus airline. Um, and actually, it's really significant for Boeing because this is the first order they've had from an ultra-low-cost carrier in the United States. Hmm. Um, so, you know, a really big vote of confidence for the MAX. Um, so the order specifically is a firm order for 50 with additional um, 50 options available. Um, hmm. They've ordered the 737 MAX 7 and the MAX 8. Um, and the MAX 8 variant is specifically the high-density model created for Ryanair known as the Max 8200. Um, it just it makes me happy to see that airlines are now buying that because you know I think they've done some stuff in the past like the Qantas um variant I think of the 747 maybe or mm. the 707 where only Qantas had it and you know now there's four customers for the free uh, the Max 8200. 8200 so yeah. It's getting yeah. exciting. Who's going to take it next? Spirit. <laughs> so, <laughs> as you mentioned, you know, Allegiant operates an all Airbus fleet. It's got 120 in total split between the A320 and 319 models. So, mm. this is a massive win for Boeing to, mm. to draw a customer away from um, what their fleet has. Um, so, on the press release, their, their chairman, who is Maurice Gallagher, said, our approach to fleet has always been opportunistic and this exciting transaction with Boeing is no exception. Now, that Mm. suggests that maybe the deal Boeing put on the table was just too good to refuse. Um, Mm. You know, I think that 8200 particularly um, was an advantage because it's got the lowest cost per seat mile than any other narrowbody aircraft. You know, Mm. it's been built for the ultra-low-cost sector. It's exactly what they need. Um, But our colleague Jay, who you may have heard on the podcast in the the past, he spoke with Greg Anderson, who's the CFO at Allegiant, um, and got some more insight on really what was driving this decision um, and one of the big benefits Boeing had was that it could guarantee a quick delivery timeline so the first of the max are expected to arrive next year and the entire mm. order is going to be complete within four years um, now you know Airbus really can't compete with that because it's got an enormous order backlog um, you know and either giving it some priority they'd be waiting much longer for that number of A320 family jets to arrive um, mm. but and of course you know coming 
bringing a brand new fleet with, of a new type comes with some costs and some headwinds. Um, but Boeing came in fully committed to giving Allegiant all the support they needed to induct the fleet, um, basically making sure it's seamless and efficient and mm. as little much of a headache as it can be for Allegiant. So the carrier is going to continue to fly its Airbus fleet. Um, and in, in fact, it's already said that it continues to expect to engage in opportunistic acquisitions of used A320s. So it's going to operate a dual fleet type. This isn't about it moving to Boeing. Um, this is all about growth. So um, currently they fly about 600 routes. They've already said that they've identified a thousand routes on top of that that they want to grow into. Wow. Um, and the MAX has got some serious advantages over the present fleet, particularly in terms of its range. So um, if you're following Allegiant, they had a, a, a few weeks ago now, they well publicised their interest in Mexico and they're pursuing mm. a, a joint venture with Viva Aerobus. So, you know, the MAX is just the perfect aircraft for that sort of operation. So that's kind of the inside track on why they made the decision they did. But, uh, you know, for Boeing, it was an incredible start to the year and I think they'll be very pleased to have won that customer. For sure, yeah. And uh, yeah, a win for the 8200 as well, which I think is going to be a Woo! the game changer, as Mr. O'Leary likes to call it. <laughs> mm, certainly. <laughs> so I think that's about all we've got time for on today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do leave us a rating on your favourite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye.